crazy mother. Welcome to this week's Cost of Goods Told podcast. I'm Darren Lafferty, joined by the producer, Chef Connor. <laughs> and special guest this week, as usual, uh, you know, we always try and pick bomb and pops, independent, owned, and operated businesses. And, and this week, we're living up to that again. We have the owner and operator of Cavatori's Italian Restaurant, yeah. right? right? Federico Cavatori. How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And we, we, uh, you have a busy schedule. You always do. <laughs> we all we, do. We've been chasing you for months ah. to be on the show. So thank you for taking time out. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Um, you know, this is typically that time between lunch and dinner where you, you catch your breath. Sure. You uh, <laughs> sit back, take a sip of water, and get ready for dinner service. Mm -hmm. So thanks for, for, for kind of working us in and, and hanging out with us. Glad to be here, honestly. Uh, you know, 36 <clears throat> years in the business. Located on Ella Boulevard. What's yeah. the physical address there? 2120 Ella Boulevard. You probably live and breathe and dream. You could drive there I with your eyes closed. I have for a very long time. <laughs> I have. I, have. I, uh, I live about five minutes away. So, yeah, I'm there all the time. Which is even which is even worse because when something goes down, you're there in five yeah. minutes. Yeah. But, uh, so, tell us about where you're from, So um, where you grew up, things like that. Originally um, born in Argentina, Buenos Aires, okay. uh, South America. My mother, my sister, and I, um, all of my mother's side of the family is from Argentina. We moved to the States when I was just about a year old. My dad was uh, sent over on, uh, on business with the steel bill. And he was in the steel business and um, he was here for about a year and uh, that company went under and he was stuck here in Houston with uh, two kids and a wife, not knowing how to speak the uh, English uh, <laughs> and um, being very Italian in the 70s and uh, what did he know best but uh, food. Yeah. And so he convinced his brother to open up a restaurant and uh, here we are. 36 years later. And, a long time. And you guys have always been in the same location? Cavatories has always been right there okay. at 2120, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. My father built a, um, he tried to find a way to combine Texas and Italy. And what better way was to reconstruct a barn that was brought in from Bastrop, Texas. You know, it's got the 100 year old windmill, yeah. the interior, I'd say about 40% of its original. The, um, all the paintings and the artwork and what's not on the walls all date back to the 1930s and 40s during his era when he was being raised up, you know, in Italy, um, post-war. And he, um, he tried to make it as cozy and as, um, as much as he remembered what an Italian, you know, small restaurant would look like. I think he's done a really good job from the standpoint of coziness, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's very rustic. It is. Obviously, it's his barn, as yeah, you mentioned, yeah. uh, but it's, it's literally stood the test of time, too. Yeah, like, people has. enjoy going there. Because it, it is so comfortable. It is. You, you know, when you step, well, from the exterior, you see it and you think originally from the beginning, you think this is some big, you know, barbecue joint. It, it doesn't <laughs> look anything like a, a typical restaurant, what you'd see nowadays. Yeah. You know, I think a restaurant like that, you would not be able to recreate. There's just, it's a different type of building, you know, um, and then the interior as well. I mean, and you could go in there. I still go in there every day and I'll see something new that I've never seen before. Really? Because my dad was a bit of a hoarder as well. You know, he... He loved antiques. He was into fine art, but he was also into collecting and, and, and this and that. And he, that was a great way for him to go out and find things and do what he loved. And so he had a huge place to, to fill up. Well, and and I think as we've talked before, right, your dad had, was very colorful. He's, yeah, he's a I, very interesting character. <laughs> absolutely. But he'd also seen some very tough times. Mm -hmm. And I think a person mm -hmm. is shaped by that, right? And I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But often if a person sees hard times, 
have a tendency to hold on to things because you never know when you're going to need it. Right? No. You never know when you're going to be I able agree. to sell that or make yeah. some money yeah. or make. He a was um, he was born in 1940 in Italy. You know, during the during World War II, and um, my father, you know, came from a very poor background. Um, his brother and him would, would be out and uh, they would have to steal to survive. You know, during the war, there was nothing available. They would be stealing from orchards. You know, they would be stealing apples. They would be stealing whatever they could in order to survive. Um, and growing up, even after the war, there was nothing to be had, yeah. you know. Um, and so he found a passion for drawing at a very young age and became very good at it. And before he passed, you know, all the years that I, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up, you know, in his home, he always had his walls covered with paintings and artwork and and, and I, you know at, at a glimpse it looked a little too much and I, and I asked him one time I said dad you know this is a little too much overbearing it feels like something's you know they're gonna come down on you but it was like a museum in a way but his museum yeah and the reason he did it was because when he was growing up during the war they didn't have anything to put on the walls and so he always had that in the back of his mind that I can't go back there. I sure. can't be that, you know, I can't live that life anymore because it was so difficult and so depressing. And it went for every family, you know, it was just the way things were. And so when he left Italy and, and he always had the dream to come to the U S to go to Texas where they rode horses and, you know, <laughs> and he had that, he believed that, you yeah. know, because that's what people believe. Even to this day, people ask, you know, when I'm overseas or when I'm, do they ride horses to work? Well, no. I mean, to, what kind of RPM? But did know? he get a cowboy hat? I mean, oh, he did, had the cowboy he hat. He got all. the Harley Davidson. Nice. Oh, he awesome. did all of the things that that you saw in the movies. Yeah. Okay. You know, right. he didn't. I mean, he didn't keep the Harley that long because he wrecked it. But he um <laughs> he did it all. You know, there wasn't anything that he didn't do, and he definitely lived the American dream. And you know, we're we're fortunate just to have that. And to still be part of what he originally started. So, what in, part know, of Italy? He was born in Bolzano, which is uh, northern Italy, right well, on the for border. For idiots like me, I don't know where. Northern that is. Italy, top uh, of the boo, top, bo- okay, top of the boo. so mm-hmm. northern, right? Northern Italy. Okay. And he moved to Naples when he was um, just. A, I think he was in his early teens, okay. and that was a place that um, he said was probably the most depressing part of his life, just because it was a really rough time, mm-hmm. very rough. Naples wasn't what it is today with the beautiful bay and the you know. It was rough. Um, and then he went into the army and, and then uh, and left. Okay. How long was he uh, in Buenos Aires then? He actually was sent to Buenos Aires for work as well. Okay. Um, he spent, I think it was about six years there where he okay. met my mother. And then the economy took a really deep turn and it started to become a little too dangerous mm-hmm. um, where they were kidnapping people. And they were doing quite a bit to execs. And he, he was high up in that, that business. And so he was offered the position in Houston, and, and he took it. And what do you know, a year later, it went under. <laughs> now, but for sure, they weren't going to go back to Argentina, and he wasn't going to go back to Italy. That's right. just, he knew that this is the place that we all dreamt of one, you know, of right. going to, and here we are, and he's right. like, I'm not going back. <laughs> and, and he didn't. I mean, he went well, for vacation, but he stayed. Yeah. Especially right. in a land of horses and big hats. Oh, yeah. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. I mean, who wants it's, to leave it, that? It, it was funny. There's pictures of him with, you know, big cowboy hat. And you really? See, you see that Italian look <laughs> with this big cowboy hat, and, yeah. you know. Well, I, I asked, too, because um, I was fortunate enough to go to high school in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Oh, wow. And so when you got down there and you said, hey, I'm from Texas, they actually kind of loved you a little bit more than they loved anybody from <laughs> yeah. the U.S. And they'd be like, oh, Texas, John Wayne, Baba, oh, yeah. you know, like type yeah. of stuff. And they, as much as people thought, 
oh, you're going to Brazil. Are you going to be like in the jungle? You know, like, sure. oh, are there parakeets and stuff like that? Like, do you have a monkey for a pet? You know, it's the type of stuff. They had kind of a similar, like, that's how they knew yeah. of Texas. They thought for sure I rode a, a horse to school and the stuff like that. The movies dictated you know? yeah. everything. I yeah. Mean, they just, it, yeah. It's really funny. And so then, you know, coming to Texas and then kind of putting a Texas and Italian spin on it. What some people may not know is that in Italy, there's there's quite a few different sections as far as how cuisine will go sure, too. So sure, northern sure. Italy, because you're you're further away from I guess shoreline and so forth. Right. Correct. <clears throat> so there's a little bit more on. Uh, is it the, there's a little bit more on the heavy side as far as like cream and so forth. Correct. And as you get a little bit closer to the shoreline, mm-hmm. or as you go further south, it seems like it's a little bit more. Um, like the light olive oils Correct. And, and things like that. Right, so right, is right. that reflected in y'all's It men- is. Okay. Um, our menu is primarily northern cuisine. I mean, you, you said it. Your heavier sauces, your marinara, your, your Alfredo sauce, your caruanada, all the things that are rich, you know, that, that everybody loves. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do do lighter dishes, obviously, just because you have to have that available. Right. Um, but I think if you're going to go out to an Italian restaurant, you should indulge in the cream and the, you know, and the butter and I all the things that make it yeah, great. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. You know, yeah. if you're on a diet, don't go eat. Sorry. But you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's just, it, it's heavy. Exist, it's, yeah. it's rich. You know, those are the things that, that, that are memorable, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we do. You know, that's definitely what we do, you know, but we keep it different. Like for our lasagna, we do it with the bechamel sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of restaurants that do lasagnas don't do with the bechamel. They just keep it with the marinara. You know, there's certain things that that are different. Yeah. And sometimes they do like the chicken Alfredo lasagna or something to kind of switch it up a little bit. And everybody kind of takes their own little twists to Mm -hmm. Italian cuisine, no matter what it is. I mean, um, no matter where you go and you eat Italian, there's got to be some sort of twist to it, depending on what neighborhood you're in, even in Houston. Because, I mean, just as Italy's diverse, Houston can be just as diverse sure, depending absolutely. on what part of town absolutely. town you're in. Yeah. Um, but I love I, I I'm I lean more towards that heavy, you know, that like that super cream, that bechamel, mm-hmm. you know, that Alfredo and sometimes even like a jalapeno Alfredo sauce, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, or a poblano a cream sauce, sure, you it? know, yeah. poblano cream sauce, you know, just the Texan twist to yeah. to 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 <laughs> that Italian. Um, so he starts day one how? How does he start day one with the restaurant? <laughs> well, before Cavatori's um, in 70, 78, he opened a French restaurant um, okay. called um, Mamazon. It was a French restaurant um, in Posto. That was his first get off. And um, it was open two years. And then he bought, well, he was, he was, he was bought out by the, the gentleman that kept running it. And he wanted to go on his own. He wanted to separate from him. And then he opened a French restaurant across the street from Cavatori's in 1981. It was a log cabin. It was the oldest log cabin in Harris County. Hmm. It's still there to this day. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful restaurant. Um, and it was, it's owned by um, the Rainbow Lodge. Oh, okay. Don Ed Hansen, they yeah. bought it from us about yeah. 14 years back. And it is a phenomenally beautiful place right. overlooking the bayou. But Dad, um, he bought that in 1980 and um, turned it into a French restaurant. Okay classic French and um, that was open till 14 years ago and but in 83 he always wanted to open an Italian restaurant so across the street was this big empty lot and back then the Heights was not the place it is today Um, (laughs) it's completely different you know 30 years ago (laughs) completely different and um, he he did he did very well with the French restaurant 
um, the interior of the restaurant was done as a like a hunting lodge. It was covered with animal mounts. You know, back in the '80s, when when that was the biggest thing. You know, to go <laughs> hunting and go to a, a, you know safaris and right. you know the oil boom and everybody had all that money from you know the oil and and they were doing all those things. So you'd walk in and there was you know my God, there was all sorts of animal mounts. It was a beautiful place. You know, three original fireplaces, gorgeous, romantic, manly. You know, all yeah. that. But um, <laughs> yeah. and then he opened Cavatories, and Cavatories was a completely different type of you know monster than than the french restaurant more casual family oriented um trying to get the neighborhood involved you know you have garden oaks and oak forest and shepherd park plaza all these neighborhoods where they were built in the 40s you know during the war and after the war for all the military to come home to and so these were you know great families but in that area there wasn't a whole lot of uh there weren't choices there weren't many restaurants at all and uh, from day one that restaurant was packed my father said that the first day they opened he doesn't even believe half the people were fed because yeah. <laughs> it was it was such a huge turnout. Um, it's like I think he said like lunch was like nearly 500 people Jeez. just waiting <laughs> and you know waiting and nobody was being seated and the ones that were seated didn't want to get up and and they didn't know what they were getting into you know right. because it was a casual atmosphere and it wasn't the fine dining where they were in suits and they had reservations you know they didn't no one came in and just walked in at sure. Latour you had a reservation. Cavatories was totally different. And so, and it, it was, you know, eye opening. Um, fabulous that it was, you know, took off from the beginning. Um, but like any restaurant, you know, and, and growing up in the house, you know, I heard it all, you know, with economy, you know, downturns and then Hurricane Alicia. And, and there were so many things that affected the business, you know, sporting events that were on, like they are now. You know, the Astros do good, we don't do well. People right. are at home watching it. It's the restaurant business, you know, and I don't think you ever get used to it. You just, you get easier blaming things. You know? <laughs> right. um, that's what, that's what we do, but it's, it's a passion and, and it's something that I was brought up in and, you know, I got to see my dad do it and, you know, and that means a lot. You know? So we how many very times close. did he tell you, don't get into this? Honestly, he never wanted my sister and I to be involved or my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, did not want any of us to be involved because he never wanted to feel like he had to direct us or tell us what to do. He didn't want to, he didn't want to have that. He wanted complete separation from business and family. He always believed that that was the worst thing you could do was to bring those two together. Right. Um, and in a way he was completely wrong. Absolutely wrong. And he never got to see it. Um, I, I believe he does now, but anyhow, back then my sister didn't want anything to do with it. You know, she became an attorney, you know, I got out and I moved to Mexico and, and built some houses on the coast and, and did that. Um, and then one day he called and, and said, you know what, son, I, um, this was, um, back in 2001, he gave me a call on a Friday. I was living in Mazatlan at the time. And he said, you know, I've been diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer. Um, they don't think I'm going to survive. And, um, mom's not in the business. Dolores, my sister is an attorney, corporate litigator. Mm-hmm. You know, she's no way in hell she's going to come. Um, so I need your help. And that, you know, you get the call from your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You drop everything. Yeah. You know, that's it. And so I, uh, I left and I, I came to Houston and came into the business and I tried to learn everything I could, you know, front of the house, downstairs, everything. And at the same time, my mother stepped in and started to learn the accounting and, and you know, what was necessary to run this establishment. Right. At the same time, my father was going through all these things. Um, and my father actually beat the cancer, you know, and then... Good. Yeah, I mean, so he, he got to spend quite a quite a bit of time with us at the restaurant, and we just stayed. You know, once we were running it, we understood it. 
you know, I don't think you ever really understand the restaurant business. It's just you think you do, but things change. And you know, that's something that makes it so wonderful is it's never the same. Every day is totally different, you know. And so, I think so after he had the victory over cancer, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, did he change his mind about family being involved in a restaurant? Uh, I mean, was he more appreciative of that, or did he did he still hold you know, strong you know what? to? No, he he never he never you know I think he realized that family you know when you say it you know family's everything you say it and you believe it right and you're told that by your family and that's how you're brought up and in a european background or south american or american that's just that's what people say yeah but when it's time to show it and do it how many people really do it right and he saw that my mother and i dropped everything you know and, and you know and i was at u of h conrad hilton yeah you know i came home and i got involved in the, in the u of h and you know and he um he's like i need you more at the restaurant and i stopped because of that i mean we i took a complete turn in my life not knowing what to expect or were we going to be able to run this operation if he passed away i mean when someone's running an operation for that many years 18 years people are used to a certain way of running it yeah it's and staff and, yeah. and it's it's all right there yeah and these people you know our, our, our customers were brought up around my father all these people at the front and all of a sudden there's this you know 25 year old you know with a tan because he'd been in mexico you know who's this young guy what's he <laughs> gonna do what does he know <laughs> right and then the employees themselves are also looking at you like this guy doesn't know anything what is this you know my god i've been working here my whole life and this guy steps in you know yeah and so that was really hard um that's that was a big step for me you know as a young man um, sure. Well, it's big shoes to fill. Absolutely, they were they were very big, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I stayed true to to what my father used to always say, you know. Yeah. I mean, just and um, he he stuck around for some time, and he ended up passing on. Um, but fortunately, my mother and I were running, and now my sister's in the operation. She does all the books, she does everything, yeah. and so we're all three there. You know, my mom steps in, she comes in the mornings, and she stays and has coffee, sees us, does some work. You know, my sister. Um, but the one thing that, that stood out about my sister and I, or my mother and I working there was we would still go see each other on the weekends. After working all week with one another, we would still hang out on Sunday for dinner or lunch. And yes, the restaurant was always brought up and we had arguments, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. It was a good thing. And I think my father, answered your question, my father got to see that because he always believed in a certain way. And he was probably raised that way. And once that, that was broken... He had to understand that, you know what, it's not right. You know, parents, you know, kids, they can be involved yeah. as long as there's structure and direction sure. and they want it, mm -hmm. you know, and we needed to do it. It was, it was you know, sink or swim for yeah. my family and there was another option. Well, the reason I asked the question from the beginning was, was one, because, you know, those kind of events can change your life in, in yeah. a second, right? Mm -hmm. When you're diagnosed with something that's terminal, right? Mm -hmm. you, and then you, you come through that. Yeah, sun shines a little brighter, sure, right? Sure. But at the same time, the restaurant business is so tough. I wonder if, you know, a gentleman like your dad that is probably short on words and long on action. Oh, like, yeah. like, <laughs> like a lot of men of that generation, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're not going to tell you they were wrong. Or they're not going to tell you, great job. What they're going to do is continue to show up and in their own way say, hey, nice job. Right? Or, yeah. yeah, that's good. You know what, what he did do once he beat cancer and realized, and you know what, something for my father was, from that generation during the war, it's like you never give up. He, you know, he just something you didn't do. Yeah, he was raised that way. Um, like the men and women of this country during the war, you just different times. You, know, sure. you fought, and um, my father, um, once he beat the cancer and realized that the operation was under control, he stepped back and he just said, "You know what? Go ahead. It's your turn." 
Like basically, like I'm, I've done this my entire life. Mm-hmm. I'm still here if you need me. Right. I can talk to you, and if you have questions, you know. Yeah. You know, he's like the Godfather in the corner of the table. You know, oh, yeah. he's quiet, and you know, everyone <laughs> avoids him because he has that mean Italian look. <laughs> but as a ring. yeah, but as a father, ring. as a father to me, you know, he anything I needed, anything I would of course you know, ask, absolutely. But he was very happy to come and leave, yeah. have a coffee, say hello, and he was gone. You know, because he he was always there. Yeah. And so it's a different chapter of his life. He's sure. like, that's it. Um. That's got to be liberating, though, for you, too. To, it to, was. While it's scary to have all that responsibility, it's got to feel empowering and free. A whole different level of relationship with the man who's always been in control. Sure. To say, here you go. I, I, and you know, you know what? I'm going to have an espresso, and then it's all you. <laughs> and you know what? Like you said, like he wasn't a man of many words. Yeah. And I didn't have to hear him say, good job, son. Because by him not sticking around and walking away was telling me that he understood it. Gotcha. And realized that I was capable of doing something that he may never have understood or unknown. You yeah. know, can he do it? Will he do it? What's going to happen? The fear my father must have had of not knowing if the operations were going to exist. Was he going to leave this world and leave my mother without anything? What was going to happen? You know, I mean, that fear of yeah. always supporting a family and always being the one in charge and always, you know, giving and giving and giving. And then one day not, not being there. Sure. The fear, that was his fear, that he was going to, you know, we'd lose it all. And then what would happen? And he got to see that. Like, okay, you know what? Things are going to be okay. And he'd just walk away. And that in, that in itself was enough for me to understand that, you know what? He believed in us. He believed in me. Yeah. You know, he saw me, you know, like we all grow up and do stupid things. We're young and we're immature. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, but I think I was, I was given an opportunity um, that a lot of people aren't given. Yeah. And I never took that for granted, ever. Um, and I still don't to this day. That's not my restaurant. That's my father's and mother's. You know, I run it. I take pride in what I do. I love it. It's mine and in, in, in my family's name. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just um, it means more to me that that's successful and the people that come to that restaurant that enjoy it and know it's family oriented and family owned because there aren't many of us left. Right. right. There aren't, and especially restaurants that are open that many years. Mm-hmm. You know, thirty six years is a long time to have any kind of business. Um, and we wouldn't have been able to do it with, you know, without the neighborhood and with all the things. I so mean, it's just you bring up a really good point, and that's the fact that you know your your family name is on the building, and I can't, I I, I don't come from any lineage that has has had a business <clears throat> with the family name on it, right. especially a brick and mortar. So I can't imagine that pressure. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, sure. give a shout out to our sponsors, and when we come back, mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about that building with the name on it. We're gonna talk mm-hmm. about successes and failures. So, so we hang out with us a little longer. Of course, longer. this is fun. So stick around. We're visiting with Federico Cavatori of Cavatori's Italian Restaurant. We'll be right back. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes, to Texas raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Hey, welcome back to part two of Cost of Goods Told podcast. Uh, we are joined today by Federico Cavatori of Cavatori's Restaurant. Thanks for sticking around and Absolutely. joining us for part two. So, you know, part one, we always like to talk about who you are, 
where you came from. We skipped some of that because, quite honestly, there were so many other interesting things to talk <laughs> about. We just jumped through it. But, you know, part two is always about, you know, the current business state, you know, um, <clears throat> some of the successes and failures along the way. And, and I know that, you know, essentially inheriting this business from sure. something your father started, who sounds like a very dynamic man and 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 you know probably a guy like i said short on words and long on actions <laughs> yeah it's 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 tough but when you got into the business Mm-mm. was it because you were already you know we were already working internationally building houses in the heat yeah. hard labor you know things of that nature but what'd you think about the restaurant business when you took over you know uh, you know i i didn't take over when i first started nowhere near taking over um there was a lot to be learned by a lot of people and yeah. it didn't just start by my father it started it started with management it started with mm-hmm. bus boys it started with waiters i learned from everybody sure um the staff at cavatories um and a lot of them are still with us to this day i had so much knowledge and you'd be just an idiot to not listen <laughs> especially when you know nothing sure and i didn't know anything um so I, I was very good at just keeping my mouth quiet, you know, just listening. You're a good listener, yeah. Yeah, um, but, you know, I was, I was at the point where I, I had to learn quick. Um, and luckily, Dad survived, and we were able to, to learn a lot more from him. But um, it took me some time. It really did. You know, it, it's a different type of business. It's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, you're dealing with the public. You're dealing with people that are hungry. <laughs> you know, and, and they can they can be different when they're hungry. Well, you, you know, know, it's interesting that, you know, from day one, right, yeah. the business was packed, right? People right. came to eat. They knew what was going to be offered. Not everyone got fed because you just weren't prepared <laughs> for that kind of success. Right. But <clears throat> what I will say is as time has changed, as you know, 36 years sure. in the same location uh, with the same fantastic food, mm. even some of the same staff. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. H- have you had to adjust along the way or have you just stayed the course and said, look, these are our dishes. We're sticking with these yeah. dishes. Did your business plan change? Did you? Um, you know, with everything, everything changes. Yeah. You just have to. You have to adapt. You know, you've got draft beers. You've got all these different, you know, microbrews. You've got so many things that are changing, and they're <laughs> changing fast. You've got gluten-free. You've got vegetarians that are taking. Yeah, you know, I mean, pasta just, place, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's so many things that are changing constantly, yeah. you know, and you have to adapt in order to um, provide. Um, the neighborhood changes. We yeah. saw that, and that yeah. was a huge change. You know, um, what? What? If you can remember, what would have been probably one of your earliest changes that you implemented that you felt was like a, a big business shift either for, sense, yeah. business made decision. Yeah, closing Sundays. Okay, <laughs> we were open seven days a week, which is always very controversial yeah. in the restaurant. Um, you know, Sunday night. Just we, you know, we were open Sunday night. Um, it was hard to staff it. People didn't want to work it. Um, sometimes we broke even. Sometimes we didn't. You know, and we did that for years and years and years. And I just, I made no sense. I said, look, I want to be off. I want that one day. Yeah. And I know that the staff needs that one day. We all have families. Close Sunday. Give the entire staff the entire day off. I promise you, Monday morning they're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be ready to work. And sure. it was. And that was a big change. Um, you know, and that was... About 10 years back. Okay. Now, we could probably open on Sundays. Really? Just because of the neighborhood. Well, congratulations for that. Um, Are we going to do it? <laughs> I don't know. It's good to have the option, though. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, it's, I just don't think it's, everybody's gotten so used to it. It's okay. not a necessity. You know, um, we're, we're family owned. We're family oriented. We're very close to everybody. You know, there's, 
you know, we've got a little over 45 employees or 47 employees. Yeah. We know their families. Mm-hmm. We've worked with each other for so long. That's a, that's a key time, you know, that's family day. And so to make some money just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. So that was a challenge, to your point. That was probably one of the biggest challenges you had. But I would say, based on what you said, it's one of your biggest successes as well. It was. A decade later, your business hinges on that one day off for people to enjoy themselves or recharge or whatever it is. I mean, I I find it to be fully acceptable. Like, if I owned a restaurant, the only way I would do that is if I was closed on Sunday. Well, I mean, a lot of people take Monday. Mm -hmm. They close all day Monday. Um, They do brunch Sunday and close Monday. You know, you need to give everybody at least one day. And, of course, there are restaurants that stay open seven days a week, lunch and dinner. Sure. But they have a lot more staff. Yeah. There's just no way, you right. know, that they can do it, you know. Um, but there, over the years, there's been so many things that have changed. Um, but changed in the sense that internally, not so much visual. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously menu choices do change. You know, what might have sold for a long time, you know, take off or or for instance like what we talked about earlier the lasagna the lasagna was done with the marinara base you know and and i changed it to a bechamel you know there's certain flavors and different textures that that change Mm -hmm. but you have your original recipe you know you have recipes that that go back to grandma you know that things that are done like the tiramisu things that shouldn't change because she'll come at you you know i mean (laughs) it's just things don't change but there are certain things that have to did you see any pushback on the bechamel no they love it I love it. I mean, it's. Just, I would too. I mean, it's that creamy. Just come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, and if anything, they. No, I never heard anything. Good. Good um, for you. We, you know, we did see you know some pushback once um, at the beginning when we started you know doing our own pastas. Mm. You know, when when people are used to purchased pasta. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's that different texture. Yeah. And wait a minute, what is this? What's going on? And and they don't like it. Some do, and some understand, and others don't. Mm. Um, but you know we make changes um specials are always different you know um wines change obviously but there's certain things that we're known for that it's risky you've been in business for 36 years it's not like a restaurant that's you know two years open and they they change menus and they keep it up to date and they, they you know when you have a following for that many years and you take something off that menu they don't come back because that's all they came for. Right. You know, um, it's I just, think it's, it's very, you have to be very careful. Of course. You know, I think some listeners, because we've had different <clears throat> establishments on, but because even, <clears throat> you know, some of them are pretty young and, 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 and their, and their life, you know, in their restaurant life, restaurant life. So you're talking about people or the, 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 the itself? both sometimes okay. too, right. yeah. sometimes too. Um, but like you look at like a Chris Shepard who's reinventing the uh-huh. menu right. constantly or these mm-hmm. different restaurants that come on and it's like, hey, look, this is a seasonal menu or something like that. An Italian restaurant, we talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit about the establishment that I worked at, like Lamont's. Right, right. You know, I walked in there at 26 years old as, as an executive chef. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, this is the same salad that, you know, I was eating when I was, you know, six years old, sure. you know, same, you know, same recipes, <laughs> same everything. And, and what people don't understand is like, look, you do have to change. You do have to adapt, but it is a huge risk no matter what it is. Even if you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to take the escargot off. Right. You know, all of a sudden, every escargot customer that you had comes in on the same Correct. night and they're like, what the hell happened? Which, right. is, like, right. which is like three people total. I mean, I'm well, just saying. No, no, you'd be surprised. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. It's, it's usually what happens. <laughs> you look at your menu items and sales analysis, you go, you know what? This isn't selling. We've had it on our menu for a long time. Let's just take it off. 
and then everybody asks for it and everybody's <laughs> upset about it. And I was like, well, where were you? Right. <laughs> and it's the truth, you know, but and that's a we have a large balance. menu. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's too big because I don't like taking things off because there's so many regulars, so many people and the sales show. I mean, they're, they're selling, you know, um, and we use every little bit for so many other different recipes. We don't, we just buy for one thing. Everything's being used to make all dishes. Sure. Um, we recently added, you know, um, pizzas, for instance. We didn't have pizza in an Italian restaurant. We didn't have that for you know, 30, 33 years. I didn't understand that. You know, I didn't get it. Um, we're family. Kids show up, you know, with families. And, I mean, we've got to have some type of pizza. So we built, you know, an oven. stone oven. We've got it back there. You know, I, I had a guy from New Jersey show me how to make pizza dough. You know, and he had been working out of a place since he was 10 years old making pizzas in New Jersey. He knew how to make pizza. I mean, really understood it. And it was just by coincidence that, that I got this guy. Mm -hmm. And he was here in Houston going to school to be an accountant. He's now working as an accountant with the IRS. I mean, just how things <laughs> land in your lap. People that just, you know, when you're really worried about how you're going to do something new that's going to, you know, it's an expensive thing yeah. to bring in. And, yeah. you know, is it going to take off? What's going to happen? And it did. Um, and, you know, we offer kids night, you know, every night. Every night kids eat free pizza. Wow. And we, I did this thing about, uh, it's about a year and a half ago, where we made these um, pizza scrapers. And we allow the kids to make their own pizza table side. Oh, cool. And we give them these chef hats with, you know, Cavatory logo. <laughs> so it allows them to entertain themselves by making the pizza. But then the parents are able to enjoy a glass of wine and actually sure. talk. Yeah. You know, and not having to constantly worry about what the kid's into and what he's <laughs> right. doing, you know. But try um, and ask that of the clientele 20, 25 years ago. No way. They, they smack a manager. It's different. You know? <laughs> it's you so know? funny how it's. Absolutely. And, and so. You know, you have, you still have clientele from that generation. Oh, yeah. You still have that clientele that that's, you know, kind of the style that they're still looking for. You know, uh, like I talked to my dad about it a lot too, because he was the white linen, the, sure. the Brenners, you know, and the Brennans, you know, type mm -hmm. of style. And I'm like, dad, it's changing. It's developing. He's like, I can't get decent service at a restaurant anymore. I'm like, man, it's just a different style. It's not... It's not the guy. The captain, you back know, waiter. For, yeah, you know, yeah, three you know, waiters to deep. one you it, know, table. It's not happening anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's awesome to kind of hear you talk about, you know, the different things that you're bringing into it because that's a and, – and, and I hope it's coming across to listeners that that is an extremely difficult thing to do. It's almost like if you're trying to steer the, tit the Titanic or – not the Titanic. That's a bad example. A giant, <laughs> giant boat. Let me, <laughs> let me rephrase it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A giant boat and trying mm -hmm. to move it with – you know, I mean, trying to move it is, is so difficult to either change course or just to add something else to it um, because – you, all, you, you do have to worry about if I'm going to offend the base that has supported sure. us, but then I also have to bring in this new blood. I also have to appeal to the new clientele that have right, moved right. into the, the area. The younger generation that, that moved into the Heights, you know, the dual, I mean, you've got, you know, dual uh, incomes. I mean, mm -hmm. Dinks. And, and they kids. like to eat out. I right. mean, they eat out <laughs> five, six times a week. But how's that been for you guys? How's, how has that challenge um, how have you been able to deal with that? <clears throat> now, it sounds like, I mean, you know, obviously gluten-free are buzzwords, right? Sure. All these things. Uh, I mean, obviously you had a pizza that works out right, well. Right, right. Beer. How do you... you know, different drafts, you know, different drinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we've done, small. Um, you know, I, a couple of years back when we first met, 
um, it's been about two years ago. Yeah. Through Caroline. Yeah. Um, Shout out to the Tamale yeah. Queen. <laughs> um, back then, you know, the, the younger generation, that you know, they they were starting to be to look at what they were eating, truly look at how they were eating and what they were eating, healthier options, you know. Um, and that's where, you know, we came up with the idea to, to do the market at Cavatories, yeah. farmer's market. It was something that wasn't being done in the Heights. Which you're doing every Saturday? Every Saturday, yeah, nine to one. It's on the property. Okay. But um, it, it's just, you know, pasture-raised eggs, you know, your beef, your chicken, you know, you've got your, your, your produce, your organic, non-organic, Mushroom, I mean, you name it. Yeah, it's, it there's, there. you know, 40 vendors out there that, that are, you know, small business owners bringing it to you. Yeah. And you're able to sit there and talk to them and yeah. ask them questions. Go to a supermarket, you know. How long has it been on a truck? Okay. I mean, things like that. I mean, it's just, and these, these people, these consumers that live in that neighborhood understand that. They know what it costs and they're fine with paying it. And that's, yeah. you know, rightfully so. I mean, you know, it's going to cost a little more because it's quality and you're, get, yeah. you're getting a product that you know where it's coming from. You get to meet the farmer. You get to raise, I mean, there's a lot to be said about it. Um, and that was a I think a, a, a big step for the restaurant as well, because it was, we were offering something to the neighborhood and the surrounding area um, by a family, for families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a great, great addition to the, to the restaurant because it cross markets. Well, I think it brings, <clears throat> you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it brings a sense of community yeah. to a, a, a central spot mm-hmm. where whether people know where the mushrooms from or the cucumbers from mm-hmm. or where the jelly's being it's a way to interact right sure. we're still people that want to have interaction yeah food is still food it's still personal business there's an emotional connection and i i firmly believe that farmers markets provide that yeah absolutely that emotional connection that sense of belonging and close to the source whether it's not whether it is or it isn't and so you know good for you guys for taking advantage of that that uh, brand new black top no. parking lot <laughs> and filling it every Saturday yeah, yeah. with things that the local community needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's but you're right. You hit on the head um, there. You see people interacting that are neighbors or, you know, might work with one another. I see it all the time because I'm there yeah. every Saturday. I mean, I open and close. I run it. You know, I, I love it. I actually, I really enjoy that market um, just as much as the restaurant because it allows me to meet the customers, allows me to meet the people that are supporting the restaurant and supporting the market and supporting, you know, these 40 vendors that, you know, they survive off this. This right. is their livelihood. And, you know, and, and I see it all too often in the restaurant business where you see families and you see people when they're at the dinner table, they're on their phones and they're just looking down at them and, and they've got their wife across from them and their kids are on laptops or iPads. And that communication is just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that it's just, they'll talk, of course. Yeah, yeah. But when I was being raised, you know, my dad disconnected the phone, you know, the, the rotary yeah. one. I mean, it wasn't on <laughs> because prior, we prior, spoke. Prior, yeah. It was, you know, what are you doing in school? What did you do? Tell me. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, and we see that at the market. People interact and they talk. And, it, and, it, and it's a great thing. You What's know? the name of that market? Eleanor's Market. I oh. named it after my wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, Very nice. named it after my wife, Elle. So Eleanor's Market softball that was just a little softball for you Phil. man it's just, it's, <laughs> good job you know, and it's nice it's, job. it's win 10 points <laughs> in the, you know. it's um it, it's a it's a great place it's a lot of fun it really is Absolutely. um and getting to know all these small business owners is even better you know can you talk about a few of the vendors, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I have probably about 20 vendors that have been with me since day one, okay. two years now. We hit two years in June, and we're at 40. 
every Saturday. <laughs> but I mean, we've got you know, a young lady, Amy. Um, she's with Underhill Urban Farm. She does pickles, you know, and jams, and she grows everything out of her yard. I mean, she does it all. Wow. They're fabulous. <laughs> you know, there are people. Just last Saturday, there was a lady who bought some uh, some pickles from her that was walking through the market, and she was just eating them. And on the way back, it was empty, and she <laughs> handed the jar back and said, "I think you could use this." <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, and then Christina with Fine Art Farms, hydroponic uh, grown vegetables and, and fruits yeah. that you know you wouldn't get in season. I mean, just things like that. We have is Carolina still out there. Carolina's too? not. She's too. She's too big now. Well, she's, she's got a couple she's brick so and mortar. Busy. She's got her new space. New restaurant up. she's opening. But <laughs> Caroline used to sell out before ten thirty with those tamales, yeah. and she would bring a couple hundred. I mean, it, it, and it's, it's the best tamale. Good it's the best tamale. Sure. And the best meat to fill in, uh, best meat to masa ratio yeah. ever. <laughs> we have um, uh, Leonard with Raw uh, La Ranch, you know, all beef and chicken. He does his own sausage. Great guy. We have Dapper Goat Dairy, farmer, incredible man in the overalls with the big old cowboy hat. I mean, the best goat cheese, I, I swear, hands down, I've ever had. They sell out every time. They've got five different uh, flavors. And he'll call you out. You're walking through the market. He'll call you over. He's that big, yeah. You know, yeah. old cowboy farmer. You know, Can't you just you hear the voice and you listen. Yeah. You, know? and you probably you probably buy from some of these. I do. These vendors I do. as well. I do. That's um, beautiful. It just comes full circle. It does. Um, there are certain things that obviously we can't because the margins are so tight. You know, I mean, we have you know Bill Genzer. He's um, Genzer Eggs. Um, he was he sold seventy dozen Saturday. And he sold out. But his whole family's involved. His kids, they're all there. You know, Matthew, his youngest, I believe Matthew is, I want to say nine. He's selling. They're all working. They're all doing it, you know. And it's it's a place for the family to come to one because they all go to school and they work, you know, they all work as well. And they show up and they're they're with one another doing it. Um, There's a lot to be said about it, you know. There really is. There's a lot to be said about it. Well, congratulations on, um, you know, not having much restaurant background. But, but obviously having people skills enough to recognize that the restaurant has to continue to evolve. So, so while you may not change some, some recipes, you may not change some dishes on the menu because those three people who love escargot may show up sure. on the same <laughs> right, day. Right, right, right. No, <laughs> but, absolutely. But you did make improvements and you did add items. And, we do. And, and we you we have. Adjustments. So good for you for having the foresight yeah. uh, and, and doing a good job and maybe what your dad may or may not have done. You don't know yeah. because he's not here, yeah. but you're making the right decisions. You know, it, it all comes down to staff, honestly. I mean, I can be one person, but everybody in that restaurant. Of I course. mean, I tell you what, um, the way I hired people and the way I still hire people, um, I spend more time with them than I do my own family. And I tell them that when I'm sitting with them interviewing them, like if I'm going to hire you, I'm going to spend a lot of time with you. And I want to like you. You know, I don't want to have any type of animosity between staff and, you know, right. the rest of the staff that's been with us for so long slowly weed that out quick Oh, I'm because sure. they know what fits they know what yeah. gels um and i'm very fortunate you know because a lot of restaurants don't have that you know and and i'll tell you what it's a family it really is you know i know their children i, I mean they work for us for god's sakes i mean you know i have a waiter and his wife bo- both work there and their children have worked there so you got second generation absolutely in the restaurant, and, and a lot of people cool. tell you don't ever hire family members because there's going to be drama there's going to be problems well, okay, there are going to be problems. Yeah. There's problems everywhere, right. you know, but, but if, if they can leave it at the door and you tell them when you hire them, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity, but if that, if that, if that bombs, you're both gone. Yeah. You know, if, if it goes south and it's bad, yeah. you made the decision. Sure. And I'll tell you what, we haven't had that problem. And I don't know if it's because 
in a way, you know, when children work alongside your parents, as a parent, you want to show them that you respect your job and you respect your coworkers. You don't want to be that guy who's mean to people and, you know, because mm-hmm. your kids are looking at you like. And so in a way it teaches them. Yeah. And so it works. You know, if anything, they're on their best behavior. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, and I think people in general <laughs> like structure. Mm-hmm. And I would think in a service industry, right? You set those expectations up early. Yeah. Hey, look, I want, we want you to have this opportunity. We want you to work side by side with someone that you love. But remember, this is my business, yeah. right? You mess this up and you're out. So yeah. I think clear expectations up front probably help that. Sure. Uh, my other question would be is along those lines of, mm-hmm. of the labor pool and finding good help. Is that a struggle for you? I mean, it's a big struggle in Houston. It's for, always a for struggle. Restaurant. So you guys are no exceptions. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's always a struggle. Um, thankfully, we don't have much turnaround. You know, we just don't. Yeah. Um, we've been very fortunate. And that's, a, a, you know, and a lot of restaurants close because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, people don't think about it. But staff sure. that's constantly rotating or management that's constantly rotating because they don't get along or there's issues or, the you know, um, that has been one thing that, that goes back to what I said. You know, I spend more time with you than I do my family. Sure. So we're all going to get along. We're going to, yeah. it's work. Yes. But when we're here, we're going to enjoy it. And I mean, and when we need to, we're going to step it up, you know, and there's time to play and laugh and you know, sure. Hey, it's never going to be always, you know, an unhappy place. Come yeah. on. I mean, business is hard, but sure. you got to enjoy it. But yeah. yeah, it is difficult finding employees. It, yeah. It's it's a different type of market. I think right oh, of now, course. you know, the young ones coming out of school, you know, and there don't, don't, you know, there, there's good and there, there's bad, yeah. but that's, that's with every generation. Of and course. As we get older, we have to adapt to that younger generation, what their needs are, what they're looking for, you know, what their income is, you know, what they want, what they expect, what they deserve. Yeah. There's so many things that, that, that are, um, that change. And I think that'll always be a dynamic that's consistently revolving. Sure. Maybe not evolve, evolving, but revolving yeah. around new kids, new talent, yeah. new yeah. expectations. Let me ask you about food costs. Sure. 36 years in the business um, with, with probably the primary menu that's stayed the same. How have you guys been able to, to handle increase in food costs? And do you absorb that? Do you pass it along? Or how do you approach you know, those long-term customers that used to pay my, look, here's a great example, and I'm sorry I got sidetracked. I'm sitting at dinner on Sunday, and my dad said, "Whoa, we used to be able to go out the three of us for twenty dollars." <laughs> sure. And I said, "Yeah, but twenty years ago, the Oreo had filling inside of it." Right. Right. So you compare an Oreo then to now, it's not the same Oreo. <laughs> Everything goes up. Everything changes. Everything. And he just looked at me like, "I wish I had hearing aids in so I could hear you." Yeah. But he also gave me a go to hell <laughs> look, like no. you know, I know you're saying something smartass right now, but. <laughs> But literally, food cost is was one of the biggest factors in a restaurant. Yeah. Labor, food cost. Sure. How do you guys handle food cost increases? And in, look, in- with with an establishment that's been open so many years, like like ours, you can only increase prices so much, and we're already topped out. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel comfortable increasing it more because I know what I would want to pay. Sure. And I have a family. I have two beautiful children and a wife that you know we like to go out and eat. Yeah. And we base our restaurant on a family establishment. What's your family capable of paying and the experience? You get it all. We have live piano music every single night. There's so many things that we offer that cut into that budget. Right. You know, live piano music isn't cheap. Right. We have that six nights a week. How many restaurants are out there that have live pianists? Yeah. 
not many, yeah. maybe or any life three. Music. <laughs> right. It just doesn't happen because right. it's so expensive. Um, but you find ways to cover those costs. You know, we have a fabulous wine list. Yeah. You know, wine is something that that you know people pay for. You know, it's not a ridiculous amount. You know, you don't charge too much, mm-hmm. but you're making your money. We own our property. That's we don't huge. pay a huge lease like a lot of the people in the neighborhood are paying. I mean, there's restaurants around the corner that are paying $20,000 a month. Wow. How do you cover that? And then food costs and payroll and you're broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, six months, you're down. Yeah. That's it. Um, that's primary reason is that we own the property. 36 years. Sure. I mean, you know, um, now starting a restaurant now, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I mean, I've gone through the ups and downs over the last 20 years, but starting a new restaurant right now in that neighborhood in the Heights or anywhere in Houston, Mm -hmm. there's so many being opened left and right, one after another. As soon as one's closed, I swear there's another tenant within that month. Right. And that's how it is all around us. That must be one of the benefits of, you know, starting that restaurant 36 years ago and your dad having the foresight, right, to say, I'm going to work my ass off yeah. and I'm going to pay for this and for whatever he did, right? You yeah. guys are in a great position yeah. now. So I can see where you could absorb some of those increases sure. all the while you're holding them off. You're telling them we're not doing it. Or you look to add beverages that are very profitable. Correct. You look to add pizzas that are very yeah. profitable. Yeah. There's uh, your product you mix, do. your menu mix changes. Sure. Bit to offset, you know, so. pastas. Pastas yeah. are inexpensive. It's like a Mexican restaurant. You've got tortillas and rice. You know, there's certain things that you know where you're going to make your money. Sure. And thankfully, in an Italian restaurant, people want to eat pasta. Um, but, you know, I mean, hey, you know, 47 employees, that's, that's a lot of employees for, for a family-run you know, restaurant. You know, the building's 36 years old. So it's a barn. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be done. Um, and we were, you know. And your with, building's not greatly elevated. I mean, no, whenever, when it get, no, you no. get a hard rain, oh, you get no, some it, water inside. We do get, yeah, well, that was due to Harvey. You know, Harvey, Harvey changed everything in Houston, you know, and um, it hit us with four feet of water in the restaurant, wow. you know, and um, we were closed a little over a month, which isn't a whole lot, honestly. Um, but you still had your employees there working. We, we kept every employee, and- not one employee left. Um, I uh, had a meeting with them and I told them, guys, look, you know, we, uh, we're not going to get help quick. Insurance isn't going to come through fast enough. Um, we thankfully have savings. Um, and I know that if you guys leave, you won't find anything right now. And if you do, it's, sure. it's starting over again. Yeah. You can't have that, um, that stop and pay like we can't. Um, I told him, so we're still going to pay you what you made on your last check. That's what you're going to get. Like you were as a waiter and we're going to pay you hourly as well as a contractor. So we got to know you two very well. <laughs> and I was ripping out siding. I mean, we did everything ourselves yeah. except for HVAC, you know, an electrical, you know, that, you know, need licensing to come in and do, but there was 47 people working, um, day and night for a little over a month. Um, and they all stayed and, we actually had to do a complete renovation of the restaurant because of it. And it was a blessing as well. You know, we found things that, you know, electrical, you know, 36 years that need to be shown. I mean, you know, that's, that's a long time. I mean, that wasn't up to code 36 no, years. No, you know. <laughs> um, it was up to code then. You know, I mean, it's just so we were lucky. Um, we were lucky we didn't lose it all because we were close, honestly. You know, when you're, when you're closed that long and you're still paying um, payroll biweekly, yeah. still, you know, putting out the money for an entire payroll when we were open sure. now that we're closed for you know two payrolls 
and then all the expenses on the purchasing of all the you know everything we bought i mean it was we were right there um but i'll tell you what the the neighborhood that first day we opened i mean like day one when my dad opened they knew and we had people coming over um during that month a little over a month with tools i mean wanting to help I mean, it's just they grew up going there. That's very cool. You know, they were 10 years old when their mom and dad brought them there, and yeah. now they've got their own kids, and they're like, uh-uh, you're not closing. Well, this know? iconic barn, everybody yeah. wants to help the iconic barn yeah. be yeah. around. <laughs> so stick, talk about being around. Stick around for part three, and when we come back, we're going to talk uh, more about what's in the future. We're going to talk about Houston Restaurant Month. Nice. Right? Uh, and give some plugs out to there. And so if you would, hang out one more time. Absolutely. All right, we appreciate it. Cool. We'll be right back after this word from uh, – Duke's Premium Meats, and we're here at Beavers at 6025 Westheimer. Be right back. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Hey, welcome back to part three of Cost of Goods Told. I am Darren here with Chef Connor, and we're still joined by... (laughs) You haven't picked up and run out the door yet. Still joined by Federico Cavatori of Cavatori's Italian Restaurant. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Super busy. Uh, wife and children at home, restaurant running, employees probably cussing at you right now. Where is he? We need him. Uh, so thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Uh, so part one and two, we talked a little about how you got started. Part two, some of the challenges, some of the successes you've had, uh, running the business, learning the business, uh, working with family, um, and hiring family members for that matter. But part three, what's the future look like for Cavatories? What's it look for, like for you and your family? Um, you know, I know you guys are ingrained in the community. Mm-hmm. You like to give back. You yeah. do a farmer's market every Saturday. You're involved in Houston Restaurant Weeks, sure. which is a full month a long program, uh, which allows people to come in and eat. For those outside of Houston, Houston yeah. Restaurant Weeks is put on by uh, Cleverly. Correct. Who Cleverly, is, Stone. Uh, Cleverly Stone. <laughs> Cleverly Stone. Um, and it it is a... I would say not necessarily a discounted menu, but a specific menu designed to raise money for the Houston Food Bank. Correct. And it has raised a ton of money for the Houston Food Bank. And I mean, there's other cities and states that do restaurant week or something yep. like that. Texas or Houston right. is probably the only ones that, that do it for four weeks. We always or, do it big. Yeah, <laughs> do it really, really <laughs> big. So, not a week, um, but a month. <laughs> but how long have y'all been involved in that with Clever? Oh, God, I think Clever's been doing it 16 years now. Mm-hmm. You've I, been it the whole time. I mean, as long as I can remember. Okay. The only, yeah, I mean, it was the only, the only year we had to cut it short was Harvey. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, but yeah, it's it's something. It, it's an incredible um, gesture to give back to the Houston Food Bank. Um, what she's created is, it's fabulous. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's not many people that have the, the vision to do something like that and turn it into something that is looked at as. An opportunity to go out and try restaurants that maybe you might not be able to go eat at sure. financially, you know, um, or restaurants you've never heard of. I've always wanted to try. Um, it's a great opportunity to go out for lunch or dinner, just depending on the restaurant, you know, whether they're doing one or, or two, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
and at a great price. You know, yeah. lunch is a $20 lunch for a three course, you know, dinner, 35, same. Yeah. Um, and it definitely is a great time of the year. You know, August is a month that, you know, it, it's, it's hot. You know, people are, um, they're all back home from vacation if they did go on vacation, you mm -hmm. know, in summertime, you got the kids if you didn't go on vacation. So you spent a lot of money during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it gives those restaurants, you know, a bump through the, through that summer month. That, that's a tough month for a lot of restaurants. You know, it brings in quite a bit of people. Um, and yes, we do give um, a portion of each menu sold to the Houston Food Bank. But I mean, you're making money as well. And you're getting a great opportunity to uh, introduce your, your establishment to new people for the first time yeah. that might come back a week later sure. um, because you know, and become the, a regular. The lunches, is it a <clears throat> prefix? It, lunch and dinner. Lunch and dinner Lunch are and prefix. dinner both prefix, yeah. And 20 they, for they lunch. have a couple selections and Correct. so forth. Three so course. it's a wonderful introduction for people who, sure. it's kind of like the, you know, I've, I've talked about how more restaurants need to go to like small plates or tapas type of thing. Correct. That way people can be introduced to something at 7 or $8, you know, right, and something right. that can be shared or something like that. Houston Restaurant Weeks is a great opportunity for people to, to sample a restaurant, sample a, a variety of things <laughs> from the menu yeah. um, without 100% committing their first time there to, you know, the full full price point, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so it's a wonderful way to get introduced to a bunch of different restaurants in and around the Houston area. Including you guys. So, so that's yeah. one of the big things you do every year, obviously. Right. Farmer's Market every weekend. <clears throat> What's the future look like? What's, what, what, so when, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> When you lay down finally at night, yeah. you close your eyes, you try to turn off work, what do you see? What do you see? Cavatories, or do you not? Do you go to sleep, you sleep well at night and you're good? You know, um, I sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and your feet hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, I don't, I don't think you ever, you don't ever sleep well if you own your own business. You know, I, I, I've worked for other people before. And you don't go home with their problems. You know, you, you, as an owner, you go home with every employee's issue, whether it's good or bad. Um, and so, you, you know, if, if it doesn't take a toll on you, then you're not doing it for the right reasons. Um, and yeah, I don't sleep well, but, um, but I get enough sleep. And, and I'll tell you what, Cavatories is, is a passion. It, it's, you know, my family. You know, it's a... Uh, you know, I enjoy what I do. I get great people around me. You know, one of my managers, my closest manager, I've known since I was 10 years old. We grew up with it, with one another. You know, who gets to do that? Um, uh, another location? Doubt it. No. Um, there's too many other things to do. Um, and I've always felt, you know, I, I, I at one point I always thought that I was going to do a secondary location. I thought about it, and I really did. You know, and um, was that young? Were you young in the restaurant young, business when you young and, and aspirations? And you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna make all yeah. that money. First and, good know? week, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then it hits you right in the face, you know. And, yeah. and um, you know, the the success of a restaurant, you know, too many people close quick. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy business. It's a very difficult business. And I'll tell you something that Cavatory's one location demands a lot of attention. And I think that once you open that secondary location, you have to be there at that second location. So you're not at the first one that's allowed you to open that second one. No. And then the first one starts to struggle because the people that are running it always had you there watching and mm -hmm. helping. And now you're not. And a lot of people don't 
don't operate as well as you might or look at certain things like you might look at. So sure, the first one might suffer. And that secondary restaurant's not going to take off right away. You've got a lot of debt. You're paying off investors. You've got bank notes. I mean, you've got a lot that you have to pay. So you're, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty dangerous gamble. Is it feasible? Possible? Sure. Um, we had a lot of money. Yeah. Why not? You know, but do I need that stress and that, that extra burden and sometimes depression? Yeah. No. Um, I'm very happy with ours. You know, we, we, we still have a fabulous restaurant, great business. You know, we're very fortunate to be in business this long and still do well. Um, and we have a market. So that's another business, yeah. you know, and it's right. also. Yeah, yeah. But then there's other things that I want to do. You know, besides that, you know, I, I would like to tap into other types of business um, when my boys get a little bigger. Yeah. You know, right now is the time for them. And that's one thing that my father did that wasn't able to do with me and my sister. He was always at the restaurant or always at another business he had. Um, and I missed out on that, you know, and, and we became close and became, you know, good friends as I got older. But as a child, you know, it was my mother. You know, and that was fabulous. She was a you know, fantastic mother. She raised my sister and I, you know, and my father as well when he came home, sure. you know. Um, but that's something that, you know, I, I, I keep very dear to me is, are my two boys. Um, I want to be able to pick them up from school. That allows me to with the restaurant. You know, we close at 2.30, I pick them up. You know, I mean, it's just there's certain things that I can do that I wouldn't be able to do if I had another restaurant. Sure. I mean, I, I, they never see me. Well, you know? it sounds like you have, in my mind, listening <clears throat> You figured out a system. You figured out a schedule that allows at least some sort of normalcy, sure. right, for your family yeah. and for your employees. What advice, if any, would you give to someone who's thinking about opening up a restaurant on their own mm -hmm. or opening up some sort of concept in the food business? What advice would you give to them that you didn't receive or you you stumbled onto later in life? That would help someone too many people say but you've got to love what you do you can't do it for just the, the monetary reasons because the restaurant business is hard you know I and mean, it, it's 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 a monster and you've got to like people you've got to really enjoy being around people talking to people and it's got to be real yeah. you know if you're that person that that doesn't want to be up front you know and, and have everybody follow suit behind you and show them what you can do don't do it It'll eat you up. I mean, it's just, it takes a lot of time. Um, you give up a lot, you know, like you both know. I mean, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, yeah. birthdays, anniversaries, you're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you are, you know, and, and um, that's something you've got to really think about before you do it. You know, owning your own restaurant sounds so, you know, he's made it or she's made it. They own their own restaurant. You know, sure, it looks great from the outside, you know, and right. but I tell you what, it, it's it's tough like any business, you know, um, but they always say, you know, the restaurant business is one of the toughest businesses because you give up so much when everyone else is celebrating or relaxing. You're there. I think you said it best earlier before we even asked the question, which shows how wise you are that these questions ah. are coming. But, you know, you, you own your own business, you don't really sleep that well. Yeah. Because you take on, when you are that leader, you take on the problems of your employees. You take on, you take home the problems of the yeah. restaurant or the challenges and the successes too, sure, right? Sure. You get some, some high five moments along the way too, yeah. but 
you have to have stamina. <clears throat> you have yeah. to have thick skin. You have to be intelligent, yeah. witty, outgoing. Otherwise, you know, and there's people that are made to be in the back of the house. People are made to be in the front of the house. Yeah. And you got to work with those people. Yeah. And you've got to be able to do it without getting praise. Yeah. You know. Your Thank staff you. does not see everything you do. You mean Yelp isn't your... Yelp? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's not all the thank you you need is that, Yelp? Come you on. Know, I, 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 how do I put this nicely? A lot of those websites are, are just, yeah. you know, they hurt places. They're, yeah. not, they're not real. A lot of it can be disgruntled employees. It can be anybody. Yeah. It could be competition. You know? And that's not right. <laughs> Definitely competition. Yeah, you know, I've found I've found um, you know the closest thing to um, truthness is open table. Yeah, we have open table at our restaurant. Um, you have to be checked in, seated, have dinner in order to write something. At least uh, I know you're wearing one of my chairs. Sure. And if something's being written, I I know who you are and I can talk to you about it. You know. Yeah. With all those others, like you said, it's competition. It's disgruntled employees. Robo, robo they want it out for you. They're going to have it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the majority of that, I don't even look at those, honestly. I don't look at those reviews. I don't read them. I know a lot of other business owners that don't either. Because that's another reason that you don't get any sleep at night. Sure. And you don't know what the reason for it is, you know. You can't control it anyway. You can't. Right? But you can control who's being in, you know, who's coming and sitting down in your restaurant. Right. Or going to your business you know who they are, you know, and then you get the opportunity to talk to them and make it right. If there was something that was wrong, at least give me the courtesy to tell me right. rather than writing about it. Yeah. And if it wasn't taken care of, then absolutely write about it You know, blow it up. Yeah. Well, but you wouldn't be in business if you allowed them to. Not for 36 years. Not for 36 years, but I also think, you know, you, you've <clears throat> touched upon it about not sleeping well and so forth. I think it's one of those things where it's like you, you not necessarily play therapist, but you also are, kind of the catch-all from both sides. You have customers that have been with you so long, sure. so you actually sometimes are talking to those customers, know what's going on with their day, then you've got you know the staff that you've known for so long. You know what's going on, and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to take it home with you, yeah. but you end up being that, that person that does because you, you're, you're, you're vested in this person because mm-hmm. your operation requires them to be that way, but you've also known that individual. It's, it's different than I run a tech company and I got the computer guys, they sit down, they, they mm-hmm. sit in front of the computer mm-hmm. and da da da. I've got to stay, you know, and I'm not necessarily, I have to be on or put on a performance yep. and so forth, but when, when I'm interacting with my staff, I have to act one way. When I interact with a customer, I have to act a, a, you know, a certain way. And sure. I, have, I can't bring it into the table. And as much as you try to tell everybody, it was the same thing. I, I think I've used this example before. My basketball coach in college used to say, look, I don't care if your girlfriend dumped you. I don't care if your dog died. I don't care if you lost whatever. Mm-hmm. Once you walk on the court, all that's out the window. Yeah. The only thing that, that's important for two hours is the basketball game. And you don't think about nothing else. And that's the know? hardest thing to do. Really hard. How can you? Yeah. <laughs> when you're struggling financially or you've got something going on at home, mm-hmm. you know, you can't call in sick. You want to. Yeah. You got to go to work. And, you know, that, that's, that's at any job. Um, but a lot of people go to work and don't have to interact with people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to show up and, and put that smile on it and, mm-hmm. and do your job with customers or they're going to be like, I'm never coming back. You know, it's like the hostess, that first person at the front door that you see when you walk in. If that person's not engaging and not happy, 
they're on their phone looking down or, you know, I mean, that dictates everything from the minute you walk in. Right. That can determine the mood of the, the customer right when they walk in. If they're not approached by a happy person that's engaging and, and real, yeah, I mean, it can change the lunch or dinner. Right. I mean, the food can be fine, but they just have that in the back of their mind. Like from the beginning, this sucked. Yeah. What is this? So, yeah, um, it's hard to turn that switch, you know, and a lot of people can do it and a lot of people can't. Um, and there are, you know, there's times where you shouldn't have to, you know, um, and I can tell you many times that we've just said, look, it's not worth it. Just go home. Yeah. This is way too much. And I've taken out, you know, I've taken some time to, to sit back and say, you know, I, I just can't be out front right now. I can't, I can't do that. You know, um, the way that you have embraced the business, right, and led it and taken over, contributed, managed, which is farly, which is which is a lot different than when you be, first began. Oh, right? yeah. Wow. You're a student, and you're always a student, but now you're a leader. I'm still a student. Of course. <laughs> Do you think that your children will run this business one day? Do I don't you know. want them to? I'm going to do, you know what? Um, I want them to do what they want to do. It's there. If it's if we're still open, God forbid, you know. You would be happy. You'd be happy. If they I did. would love for them to work alongside me. Yeah. Um, that's something that I got to do with my father, and it meant a lot to me. Um, I love my boys like unconditionally. It's it's a it's just something that I, I I'm very fortunate to have in my life, right. and seeing them develop and grow. I mean, they're, they're little. They're three and a half and five. Sure. But they are talking and doing everything, and it's just. <laughs> If they want to do that one day, if they wouldn't, you know, dad, I want to come work. I'm going to say, you know what? You're going to come work for me. Just like my dad did. Go straight to the kitchen. That's cool. You know, bussing tables, cleaning. Start from the bottom. Yeah, of course. Um, That's what you do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, why not? You know, but you also want more for them. Not that this isn't a great, you know, job, but there's a lot to it. It's tough. You know, I mean, if they want to be an attorney or a doctor or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, as long as you're happy. Do it. Yeah. I want you to be happy. Sure. I don't want you to do it just because you feel like you have to. I don't need you. You know, <laughs> working with me. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you, but yeah, yeah. You know. But I like I like too that you've kind of said you know when when we usually ask people and 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 if they're younger in the business and so forth like what's the future hold oh two three five stores da 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 da. I think I think it was kind of mm-hmm. nice to see you have this relaxed look like I know yeah. I'm in a not necessarily a sweet spot you know like. It's always difficult, but yeah. at, at least I know that I'm in a comfortable spot where it's like, look, I can take off Sundays. You know, we can do the market, which is fun. You know, Saturday yeah. mornings, we can be closed in between the sure. lunch and dinner shift to give me that break for family time and so forth. And not necessarily, not necessarily not be hungry for the next thing, but be like, look, this is working. This is fantastic. We can we can make adjustments here, but I don't have to go and grab the next right. thing. You I don't, can't, you you can't be complacent mm-hmm. ever. Um, in the restaurant business or whatever job you do, you know, complacency doesn't exist in that. I mean, you'll close, but to open another one. The market's just getting saturated. And I think you made this point when we talked about it uh, at one point um, that no one's opening up a retail spot. So it's all opened up to different restaurants and they're, they're looking to just book as many as possible. And I mean, that's, that's just, flooded the market with, with so many different establishments. And I mean, you know, we, we've talked to plenty of people like, why would you open up a restaurant? I mean, it is a huge high Gamble. failure rate, huge 
labor on your end mm-hmm. and then the margins are super super thin it's almost stupid you well, know? they're following suit <laughs> right you know, they're seeing everyone do it yeah. and they're thinking it can't be that difficult <laughs> let's all do it what do you and mean they, i they have do one it. good recipe i right. have a recipe everyone yeah, knows my i like food it's, you, know? <laughs> you know it's it's uh <laughs> i have one final question go ahead for this podcast mm-hmm. and over the last you know amount of time who would you want to give a special shout out to acknowledgement thank you for for anything picking you up supporting you pushing you smacking you in the face <laughs> all of those or none of those that that deserves to, to, to be called out oh wow it's family because they put up with me <laughs> you know um, my mom um, she is a very strong um wonderful woman uh my wife the same um my sister you know my father when he was around um they see you go through the struggles and they they don't like a lot of it because you do bring some of it home and they get the you know the the bad end of the stick sometimes and it's not fair um and for them to see it for what it is and still tell you keep going, you're happy, you're good at what you do, um, it means a lot. Um, and then to also think, you know, my 72 year old mother still kicks me. You know, when she sees something, she'll, she'll put it down and let me know. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't ever go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with what, you know, every family goes through all different types of um, adversities. We all do. Some are harder than others. Um, but I was very fortunate to be very close to my family and without them, I, I, am not the man I, um, I am today without them. Honestly, um, friends mold you, they become great friends, you know, throughout life, but family is everything. It always has been. Um, and that's, who's always at that door when you open it, you know, when you need somebody. Sure. So my family, there's not one person that I have to give it to. It's everybody. It takes it takes that understanding. I mean, you know, going going through yeah. the restaurant, uh, you know, as a career. I mean, it's it's one of those where it's like, look, I know you got weekends off. <laughs> I don't, you know. So, yeah. hi, mom and dad. I haven't seen you in a month and a half, and I know you live twenty minutes away from me. But yeah, no, you know, come I mean, to the restaurant. Are you? Are, hey, yeah, come yeah. to the restaurant. And right? I mean that that basically. My wife. There's you know? times where she says, "I'm a single mother." Yeah, you know? and it's just because of the time that she puts in with the kids that she, ha- you know, it's just nature of the beast the restaurant business is that mm-hmm. and that's tough i mean it, it really is but without i mean yeah i mean they, they they do so much that we don't know about you know um yeah. so yeah without them that's a great couldn't do it. yeah that's great absolutely job. and i think i think that's something i've talked about on a different podcast when i when i had my food truck and catering business uh, someone reached out and they they kind of asked the same thing they were like what advice would you give and i said look there's plenty of stuff on how to run a restaurant you can pick up <laughs> how to run a restaurant for dummies you know <laughs> and, dummies, get, yeah. and get and get some you know <laughs> okay. you know get some at least general advice yada 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 but the conversation that you have to have with yourself and with your family <clears throat> is is this possible? Can I do this to this individual? Because you are going to bring it home. You are going to have days that it's like, look, cook didn't show up or server didn't show up. Now I, I, you know, I know I said I was going to be off for the, for the dinner shift, but now I'm not. Or manager had something (laughs) happen, you know, now, now I've got to cover three shifts, you know, or, or, or what have you. And to put that burden on them, 
to to have the success that you want or to have the establishment that you want or to have the restaurant that you want not necessarily that it's not unfair but it is a little unfair yeah it's selfish it's, it's very selfish mm-hmm. and you need those individuals to to love you and support you through it because you know it's it's you know i've had it where my parents were like look we just don't like you after you've had a couple bad shifts yeah. oh, or yeah. you know a bad month or something like that we don't like hanging around you i don't like you me after a good shift shoot yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know um and so the that advice where it's like look you have to understand what you're doing to somebody else mm-hmm. and and have that hard conversation with them and be like, look, can you handle this? Yeah. Can you handle me? Will you support that? Um, and then what can I do to make up for it? You sure. know? Um, and those are the conversations. And I hoping you don't have to. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know. for everyone listening. Yeah. So we're, we're so grateful to have you. Oh, I loved it. For everyone <laughs> listening who doesn't know where you are, who didn't hear episode one or two or, or parts one and two, tell us where you're located. Where's your Where's your business at? So Cavatories is at 2120 Ella Boulevard, just okay. at the corner of TC Jester and, and Ella. And as most, most things and the necessary evils are social media, where can <laughs> yeah. they find you on social media? Facebook, Instagram, we're there. Cavatories? Yeah, yeah. Cavatories.com, Cavatories, yeah. The only day you're closed is on Sunday. Sunday. Monday through Monday through Saturday dinner, five thirty to ten, and then Monday through Friday lunch, eleven to two thirty. Market on the property every Saturday from nine to one. Farmers market, Illinois um, market, right in the Heights. Yep. Yeah. But Come you, see us. You haven't been there. I haven't yet. I'm going soon though. Yeah. Get your knives sharpened. Week, so I'll show up. Say that again. Get your knives sharpened. That's right. Yeah. Get your knives sharpened and eat some pickles on property. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that, man. I'll it's tell him too. I'll be like, look, you know, if you need some help in that kitchen or whatever while I'm there, you know. <laughs> I bet he puts you to work. I bet you. Oh, I need It'd it. be fun to see. It'd be great to see too. So I'm Thank excited you. to give it a try. We'll de- I'll definitely be out very, cool. very soon. So it's been wonderful talking mm-hmm. to you, and I really appreciate it because I know that it's not easy, you know, what you've done. And it's really, really cool to hear someone walk in from – off the beaches of Mexico into the <laughs> restaurant industry. It was tough. <laughs> I mean, you know, everything shut down around one o'clock there. You know, by one o'clock it was over. You know, and everybody closed their doors. I work on Mexico time siesta. Too. I, mean, was, <laughs> I got used to it. I got. I, mean, I spent three, um, yeah, three years out there. Oh. You know, coming back for a week and then back out. And, and um, oh, I mean, I loved it. I really did. Right on the beach, doing all the things that I wanted to do. <laughs> and Let's go on vacation. You still got some contacts. Let's go. I'm going now. Next week. <laughs> Good nice. for you. Good yeah. for you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. No, and I and I know we covered a lot on this podcast, but I also think that there's a lot that we didn't cover as yeah. well as far as ins and outs and, and sure. menu type of stuff. And and I hope to have you on again I'll or at back. least be able to buy you a beer or something like that or sit down in your restaurant and just talk shop even come more on. because I think it's it's such an awesome story. It's I'm fun. there at yeah. the front every day. You'll see me, so come on. Yeah, Perfect. There. I'm there. And we'll see you there for sure. Thank you, Federico. Thank you. Thanks, nice guys. to see you. Appreciate it. We'll see you again. All right. Wonderful. As always, uh, like and subscribe the Cost of Goods Told podcast. Five stars, five stars. Follow uh, both of us on Instagram. You can find all the information at uh, at Cost of Goods Told or on 3 uh, I promise I'll get that website up and running. <laughs> uh, we've got some cool uh, cool stuff in the works right now uh, coming up. We'll uh, have a podcast about that later on. Yeah. Uh, but as always, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to every single guest that we've had on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Uh, as always, um, just like and subscribe. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality, 
by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com.